Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. We are going to talk bass fishing with Mr. Rich Lingren. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Hello, what's going on? Yeah, that's like a glad to. Glad to be here. Like one of the most official uh, intros I think I've ever done. Usually I just hit record and start talking. <laughs> or, or you start talking and then hit record after you're like, hey, we should, we should, this is good. We should start recording this. Yeah, I've done that. And that's usually like, oh, crap, this is gold. Why don't why we haven't been recording this the whole time? I've had full-on conversations with, with people I know. And I'm like, dang it, we should have been recording this one. That was good. <laughs> just talk for an hour for... But I guess not everything has to be recorded. It's the mind of yeah. a mind of a podcaster, right? Or the the boat conversations. You're like, oh, man, I'm glad nobody's recording this. Right oh now. well, yeah. Then there's those conversations. <laughs> like, thank God, there's no microphones for this one. <laughs> or that you can edit the GoPro. You're like, we don't have to air that. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, that's kind of how this one came about. I started. Uh, oh man, and this isn't really going to be help. This this conversation is not going to help my psyche at all because earlier than normal, I I slipped new new like daydreaming about. Uh, open water fishing mode and it's just not good and then uh yeah i went down the rabbit hole of thinking about what the where the toc was this year and then i started watching youtubes and then you came up and then i started watching your videos i'm like you know what i haven't hit him up yet for i should get him on so yeah here we are so well I, and go ahead being honest the rain and that little like just being like 38 degrees outside with sun and no melting in the rain. Oh, like, yeah. Really got the juices flowing. And it's like, I know this is a false hope, but like, it feels like March now, right? Like, 
late March because of the that this week's temperatures. It it definitely gave me a, a yeah a false sense of that didn't help. Let's put it that way. But I was like, still February. Like, like we are not out of the woods yet. Today is uh, evidence of that. It's back well below freezing. Um, I'm in northern Minnesota, so it's going to get down to below freezing tonight or below zero tonight. So it's supposed to warm up again this weekend, though. I don't know. Not yeah, probably not a, as a warm, little, but little dip it looks like and then we're back in the 30s i think we're in for an i hate to jinx this knock on wood i think we're in for an earlier ice out this year nice just because we i mean ice conditions haven't been great all year and then you know fair amount of snow on top of it which is why we haven't had a ton of ice we never we only had like two real real cold blasts so Mm -hmm. i don't think anybody's had to break out ice uh auger extensions this year so as long as we get even an average warm up, I think we're we should have a decent ice out. Which I'm gonna be. I go for one of those. I want to say eight, ten years ago, I like I was out on pool two the weekend before the Northwest Sports Show fishing, and oh, then damn. fish were thinking about spotting already. Oh damn! <laughs> in the backwaters, like they were creeping, like water temps were in the 50s on the surface already uh, in late March. So. Well, that would be amazing. That would that would uh, be awesome uh, up here. I mean, I can't even think of I can't even really think of pre-spawn until late May up here. But um, I don't. Just getting in open water is it's that in and of itself is a is a mental healing for sure. Not that I don't like ice fishing because I do. Which I was going to ask you. Like, I don't. You don't ice fish, do you? Ice is for cocktails, not fishing. <laughs> It's <laughs> a great line. No. Um, I I did like growing up, high school, uh, a little bit in college, and then somehow like all my fishing gear, dis- like my ice fishing gear, disappeared like my last year to a college, and I just never had the urge to like restock. Like I didn't want to buy an sure. I didn't want to get another flasher. I didn't want to get a hut. I didn't want to do all that stuff. And uh, so yeah, I just never got back to do it. At this point, I mean. If somebody wanted to call me up and do some ice harvesting, I probably would, but I have no interest in sure. know, getting an auger and getting gear or right. any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. I just always wonder, like, because uh, you're not the only one. I mean, I know other, um, you know, serious open water anglers that don't hard water fish, but I'm always like, what, in Minnesota, what the hell do you do? Like, well, yeah, for me, you know, part of it was starting a family. So, like, you know, go hard in the summer and then you build up as many brownie points in the winter mm-hmm. with your kids and your wife. Um, and then, you know, the occasional years I'll take trips down south. And, but now with, you know, in the last, what, three, four years, getting much more heavier into producing content and doing YouTube and streams, like that, that keeps me pretty busy, honestly, like getting all that stuff done. Um, <clears throat> don't miss it quite as much. Yeah, I bet it but, does. I suppose I should uh, actually say that. Hellabass is your channel. That's yeah. I said I was watching your channel, didn't say what it was. So, um, if anybody doesn't already follow uh, the YouTube, head on over to YouTube uh, and give Hellabass a follow. He's got a lot of a lot of videos on there, a lot of really good content. And yeah, so I went down the like, all right, I gotta start. I've never fished Leech Lake, so it's like, well, what's what? What am I up against? And it's like, okay, lots and lots of rice. Great. <laughs> I hate lakes like that because it's like 
what differentiates one patch of rice versus another? And there's miles and miles of it. You know, I experienced some of that when the TOC was on Pakegama in Grand Rapids. And, like, if you go up in the river, it, it's just, it's lined with rice. And I'm just like, I, I don't even want to fish this because it's like, it just looks all the same. Yeah. It's kind of like what they say about going down south and like fishing like uh, Truman or Fork where it's flooded timber. You always have to fish it like it's not there. Okay, explain that. So meaning like if it wasn't there, <clears throat> would there be, what would be the bottom composition? What else is there? What is there a drop? Is there a hole? Is there okay. a rise? Is there a current? Is there something, something adjacent to it? makes it better you know is there cattails that butt up to it is it a sandier bottom is there reeds adjacent to it is it a you know is there deeper water access is it uh you know coming in or in or, in or out of a spawning bay um is it on a migration you just got to kind of think about some of the external factors sure uh, actually makes sense anything whenever things the same look for something different i guess is right kind of kind of the way I go about because it. it is daunting I mean it's just like oh my god I don't like where do you even start it's just like pick a spot and go I guess um so that's gonna be interesting but do you think small mouth will play a big role this year it'll be interesting I think some of the local tournaments the smallies play year-round <clears throat> but in these bigger tournaments seems on the surface you know, the, the trails that travel all around and, and stop there, it seems like the Somalis really only play or have played in the spring tournaments. Okay. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I fished, you know, the tournaments that I, uh, you know, a couple of those tournaments, Somalis were open. It was in July, and there was almost very few Somalis weighed in that tournament. Right. Um, and then some of the other ones I did were in September after the cutoff. Um, I spent a half a day looking for him in July. Didn't really find anything. Caught one random one in a tournament, not trying to catch him. Uh, but I did hear about a club that was up there fishing this year about the same time. And, um, or the, the, this past late, summer season, you mean? Late August, early September before the cutoff. And there was some decent smallies caught. So it'll okay. be interesting. Now, I, I don't know that there's ever been a tournament out there with 100 boats. And I don't, it'll kind of depend. Do 20 of them decide to go after smallmouth or do 80 of them try to go after smallmouth? Right. That will probably really, you'll have to kind of kind of feel it out as the week unfolds. I can, I can honestly say that it, that's, it's not my strong suit. It's not my strong suit skill-wise, and it's definitely not my strong suit equipment-wise. I, I am well under-equipped on my, on my boat. I do not have, like, I don't have spot lock. I don't have forward-facing sonar of any sort. Uh, so, Yeah. I mean, I got science I mean, can. There is that. But. There could be some good schools of smallies in places, you know. But if fifty boats stop on a hump or a point, and they all catch one or two, sure, could put a lot of pressure on them. Well, because if you look like, um, at, I think it's the Woman Lake change, right? That that thing just absolutely kicks out some donks, um, mm -hmm. and big giant bags of of brown. So it's like I don't know if if leech is like that i don't have any you know it's kind of in that same area I, I just i mean it's definitely got big ones i think the question is how many well then it comes down to like is that bite going you know like you can't mm -hmm. that's the thing about smallies in my limited experience with them um like i said, i don't really 
target them a ton. Um, but it seems like they're very kind of bite windowy at times where it's just like, mm-hmm. you can see them, but they're just not, they're not biting. You know, I remember on, um, upper and lower whitefish, you know, my, my club fished it and I was talking to one of our anglers shark and he was, he was like, I went after him for a little bit and he's like, I could see him, you know, on, on the live scope, just staring at my jig, but they wouldn't take it or my uh, Ned rig or whatever. He's like, you know, finally caught one or two, but it's like, you literally had to dead stick it for like 10 minutes. He's like, you can't fish a tournament like that. It's like, <laughs> like I got to just go chase green ones, I guess, which he is a small mouth, like purist. He hates having to yep. fish for green ones. <laughs> Absolutely. Sharks. He's one of a kind. Yes. I love that dude. He's super cool. It's tons of, he knows the stuff. And if we go to a, if we, if we have a lake that has smallmouth in it, I usually am like, crap, I'm going to get beat today because sharks can just come in with a mega sack of brown. <laughs> it's like, crap. But it is does kind of work against him sometimes because he will, he will try to force that to happen on a lake where it's just not happening. He just, and, it, you know, it's a club event. I don't think he goes super hard on those, but um, it's – I don't know if that's – I'm more used to the – the largemouth for sure, um, mostly, like I said, just because I'm not equipped for it. You know, it's hard for me to go offshore structure and drop shot or net rig, and you know, I'm bird boxing. I'm basically fishing blind. I mean, I, like I said, I got side imaging and whatever. It gets, gives me some information, but when compared to other guys that fully decked up boat, you know, I hate to use that as an excuse, but, I mean, there's some truth to it. A little bit. I mean, it depends on the scenario. For some small fisheries that really set up where that, you know, the 360 or the live front facing sonar will give you an advantage, and there's other ones that don't set up as much. Yeah, I mean, you know, if like it's a, a shoreline. Like, like a place like Island Lake, it doesn't really matter. Right? Bro, they're all uh, shoreline. Vermilion, based, Vermilion yeah. honestly, not that great on Vermilion. But, uh, you know, there's places like Bay St. Clair and some of those lakes that are more sandy and fish roam more. It's, you're, you're really not competitive without it. Oh, I can't even imagine like eerie. Like that would be, that would be brutal. Now my next, my next thing, I need to start saving my pennies or start collecting cans or something. I gotta get an Ultrex. I gotta, I gotta have something with Spylock. I'm so tired of not having that. Like I get so mad, you know, if I'm on like offshore deep weed line or something, even chasing largemouth, and it's like boat control, just like trying to stay on the spot. You know, there used to be a time when that where everybody had that same struggle. But it, it yep. seems like those times are way in the past now, which really relatively hasn't been that where, long. Where, where you had a school on an inside weed line, and you'd catch a three-pounder, and then you'd go to call it, and you'd be 400 yards oh, yeah. away. You'd have to like... Yep, exactly. Although, there, I, I had the... Uh, this is the exception, not the rule for sure, but... Uh, that very same thing. I don't know if I broke off or I was calling. Something had happened. I was I was fishing deep, deep weed line, and I, I'd you know blown off the spot. And whenever I got back, and I was getting ready to motor back up to where I was at, and I look at, and I'm well off, like seemingly in no man's land. And I start moving, and I'm looking at this, the my side imaging, and I actually pick up a pot of fish in like mm. 26 feet of water. I'm like, huh? whip a jig out there and sure enough i caught one and it was a better it was a better fish and i was like so they're off the edge okay so that kind of helped me out a little bit you know but it's like right. what i wouldn't have found those if i was just deadlocked 
on that weed line, you know. I just sit there and caught the same cookie-cutter two-pounders I had been catching all day. Now, the size didn't go up that much. It was, like, went to the next, like, two-and-a-half average <laughs> instead of instead of two-pounders. It was terrible. It was, that was on Sturgeon Lake. That lake is frustrating. Sure. It's just you can go shallow, mid, deep, and you catch the exact same size fish everywhere you go. It's unbelievable. But it does have nice ones in it, too. I don't, it's it's uh, what I don't understand about that lake is how, how where's the in-between size? The, a, a three-pounder doesn't exist. You have two-pounders and five-pounders. It's like, <laughs> well, how do they make the jump? That yeah, could be a year-class thing, I guess. But Yeah, knows? but historically that lake is kind of, it seems to be like that. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so what club do you fish with? Um, I'm currently in Twin City Bass. I was in okay. Gopher Bassmasters for probably 15 years, maybe longer, oh, 20 man. years maybe. Um, but uh, just had to find a club that better fit my schedule and allowed me to fish more other tournaments above and beyond clubs. Uh, so we have a little less stringent schedule than some of the other clubs at Twin City. What are some of the other um, trails that you fish? Yeah, lately I've been, I mean, obviously I try to fish the Bass Nation and TVF state tournaments every year. I've kind of put a high priority priority on those. <clears throat> the last couple of years I've been fishing the TVF team trail. Um, other than that, I mean, it's kind of, it changes. I've fished, I've fished the NABC in the past. I've fished the Classic Bass, Classic Bass Champions Tour in the past. Uh, you know, a lot of the times, <laughs> you know, knock on wood, I'm, uh, I've made quite a few regionals and, you know, a lot of that vacation time ends up going to the regionals and national tournaments. So I don't always spend a lot of time, you know, banking on a, a full team trail. Um, but when I do, you know, I try to, I, it'd be great to fish the Minnesota Bass Nation team trail, but you know, they book up and like now, right. And it's oh, like, wow. man, I, I don't know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow, <laughs> let alone what tournaments I'm fishing yeah. um, with, with my kids schedule and everything going on. I got two kids in high school sports and, and travel Oof. this and travel that. And it's just like, so really I try to stick to things that are a little more like, Hey, can I, can I register a week or two ahead of time? Uh, that kind of stuff. And right. I'll fish individual tournaments here and there. And I fished like, uh, you know, the, the Minnesota Bass Heads, uh, battle of the Bass Heads last year with, uh, Brian Bankson on Big Stone. That was a ton of fun. So I just try to pick up tournaments here and there, uh, on top of some of the other stuff. That one was super windy, wasn't it? Was it that, wasn't too was bad. The I mean, <laughs> I, for people that haven't been on Big Stone before, they probably thought it was windy, but eh, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an average day for Big Stone. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean. Never fished it. Never been out there. Is it kind of a, that the south end of the lake is kind of more bassy, from what mm. I understand? Is that a true statement or no? I mean, there is a section in the southern third that has more islands and more traditional <clears throat> water but there's there's bass up and down that thing for sure just yeah i mean it's easier to hide from the wind in that lower section though i'm talking I'm, I'm just direction. straight talking on my ass i have no experience on on that lake whatsoever just like a rough like uh peripheral knowledge of it kind of i mean i know people that go out there and ice fish it and that that's pretty much it they grow them thick up there do they are they good ones in there yeah well uh, I, mean, I do remember. I think that was a decent bag that won it, wasn't it? It was 28 pounds. That's a good bag. That's a very yeah. good bag. <laughs> uh, we had like 20. I've, I've in the spring turn, there was a spring turn I fished out there. We had 21 and we didn't cash. That's crazy. Like, that's, that's nuts. 
Because twenty one's yeah. a great bag. Like twenty, like, like ugh, four pound average. Are you kidding me? Seventeen, seventeen and a half incher, four pounders out there. Wow. You can catch five pounders that don't break, you know, eight, 18, 18 and a half. Holy smokes! This is just fat. Yeah. <clears throat> are they thick? Like how are they? They just built like yeah. Taller? They're they're tall. They're thick. They're okay. they're yeah. They're just they're, I mean they're footballs. They're wow. Um, is that and then there's other great. I mean like you know for your I'm sure you got some people that don't fish bass that fish this podcast. But I mean there's good perch out there. There's okay walleyes. The bluegills are insane. Like I was at a I fished a tournament out there in June around Father's Day two years ago. I mean, I was catching nine and a half inch, ten inch bluegills flipping e bombs. Oh wow! <laughs> so when they were protecting their nests, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, you know, people like fish their whole lives for a ten inch bluegill. Like, if you go there around bluegill spawn and you don't, you spend a weekend there and don't catch ten inch, you might want to hang it up. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds like my kind of like I, I get I, I I get into those big panfish lakes. I just spent. I would imagine that ice fishing out there, there'd be some really good panfish. Oh, I'm sure. But... I'm sure. I've never been out there, like I said. But like last week, I went and I chased rock bass intentionally because <laughs> <laughs> it's a was on a, a lake that was that's known for him. And uh, my buddy Patrick is he's got a, some spots and he's got spots. I mean, it just we roll up. My first drop, boom! I was like ten incher. I was like, "Holy crap!" We caught tons of ten pluses. We got over eleven. I couldn't crack that twelve inch mark. I got to eleven and seven eighths. Nice. I could not so crack you, that twelve inch. All catch and release, or do you guys keep any rock bass or table? What's your um, opinion on rock bass as table fare? My opinion is rock bass and table fares they're as good as anything else that swims. They're just another panfish. But I didn't keep any this time. But I have kept them in the past. I've actually, you know, I've. A, talked about this recently because i did this this trip kind of ad nauseum but um you know i've done the experiment i had a, a old buddy of mine used to go fishing with and he was a very old school and he's older than i am and he refused to eat them and i we were out on vermilion once i kept one cleaned it i said you know what i'm putting 50 bucks on it i'm cleaning i'm mixing this in with the bluegills and the crappies and if you can pick out the rock bass fillet i will give you 50 dollars he could not pick it out, but at the end of the day, he still wouldn't. He he didn't acquiesce that they were just as good, <laughs> even though he did not pass the challenge. You know, and I'll get people to be like, "Oh, they're wormy." They're sure that can't happen, <clears throat> but perch get wormy too, and nobody talks shit about perch. Everybody's like, "Oh, I love perch. They're delicious." Same thing. They get the white grubs too. It's not a big deal. It's like, I don't know. It's one of those old. Fishing almost more than anything, maybe on par with hunting, but I feel like it's more in fishing. There are just old things and sayings and ideas that get just through word of mouth, get perpetuated through the generations. And I just don't quite get it because the people that are like, oh, I, those things are gross. I, I, they're too wormy. I wouldn't eat one. Then you ask them, have you ever? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, well, how do you know that then? Like, just because your uncle told you doesn't make it true. Like it's just, but whatever. Keep releasing them. They 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 grow bigger, and I get to catch them. Then I'm down. I'm down with that. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I so like I I kind of like I I growing up. Uh, we always like my we would take a trip to Lake of the Woods and fish walleyes, and you know when we ate fish, it was mostly walleyes. We'd keep the occasional panfish. You know we'd maybe catch some crappies in the spring around the metro here, but like we'd stock up on walleyes, and that would pretty much get us for the year. 
you know, with two, you know, family or three or four of us, right? We just could live in the walleyes and, right. um, and, and get your fill while you're up there for the week, obviously. But, you know, we would keep the occasional crappies and catch a few fish, ice fish and panfish. And, you know, maybe would clean a small bass every now and then if it was gut hooked or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. But like always threw pike back thinking they were like, you know, pike were slime, you know, I, I don't know, my dad believed. Right. And like probably passed down right. <laughs> his dad, uncle and dad <laughs> yeah. like, like pike are slimy. Why would you eat those? They're gross. And then my father-in-law, he's always been big into pike and he cooked. I was, uh, you know, uh, with reservation, I was like, oh, we're, you know, you know, future, you know, at that time was probably just, you know, girlfriend's dad. Right. Sure. Uh, not even fiance. I was like, well, I guess I'll be polite and eat pike. Uh, I don't really want to. Right. But like, but I was like, this is good. Like, yeah, this is really good. Like this actually has a unique flavor to it that a lot of other fish don't. Uh, that opened my eyes and I was like, I, you know, like I, I might choose pike over walleye when, you know, caught out of cold water and prepared correctly. Um, they're a pain to fillet, but like, I'm a big proponent of eating pike, like yeah, for that's... a couple reasons. We need to change this mentality because pike eat jackhammers and tungsten jigs. <laughs> like they're going out of style. <laughs> yeah, they so do. this is Hellabass says, eat a pike, save a jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a, that should be a t-shirt. Like that, that is a, such a true statement. Like, ah, dang. And they're so maddening too, because you get that little tick and you get, you almost know it's a perch be- or a, a pike before you set the hook because the, the little the line tick or whatever is just it's just a little quicker a little more violent usually than mm-hmm. a bass you know and it's like you go to set the hook and just on nothing you know it's it's one thing to like feel a little bit of weight or you have them on and then they cut you off but i'm right. always just mind blown at how without any tension on the line they they just cut it like that it's just yeah set the hook on it and just empty line it's it's crazy it's like what how just how i agree eat them up i say i don't keep a lot of pike i don't keep a lot of fish in general just because you know you keep them you got to clean them but then i i fish till usually i can't see anymore and then by the time i get home the last thing i want to do is stand over the sink for half hour and clean fish so there's that i'm just lazy (laughs) yeah like i don't recommend keeping pike in july out of two feet of water that you catch on a frog in the slop Mm. Like early in the year, late in the year, you catch them on weed line edges, things like that. They're pretty good eating. You watch yeah. a YouTube video, learn how to clean them. And even if you're not that good, there's a lot of meat on a pike. So if you butcher it, it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you could. Or it's do... like if you butcher a bluegill or perch, you don't get but two bites. Yeah, of... exactly. Yeah. You but go, like you go through the backbone on like a perch or a bluegill, it's like you just screwed the whole thing up. But with, with, I mean, I'm good at cleaning them. I've cleaned a million of them. My, my dad, like, and maybe it's weird to me this whole mentality of like people are picky on what kind of fish they eat and which they don't. My dad kept everything. <laughs> like he was a catch and grease fisherman. Like that was his. He didn't care. Um, like Crisco. Exactly. He's like, oh, this, if you you thought a fish was too small, he'd be like, oh no, that's you can scale that and get a lot of meat off that. And then he would say, the DNR wants you to keep them small ones. You know what, Dad? That's conservation mind. Sounds great and all, but. If you catch a 10-inch bluegill, you're keeping that one, too. So <laughs> it doesn't really <laughs> mm, like where your head's at, but you're not consistent with it. He keeps everything. It, like when they started coming out with, like, uh, including bass, he kept bass all the time. And, like, uh, up here on Pelican Lake and Orr, when they instituted that slot limit for bass, he was pissed. 
Like when, when he couldn't catch, when he couldn't keep a 15-inch uh, largemouth or a 17-inch largemouth, he was pissed. Like, ugh. and then Pike too. They put a, I think there was a slot on Pike, and then he's like, he just couldn't, could not wrap his mind around that. We're not fishing that lake anymore. That's <laughs> yeah, fun. That was a good one. Did, did you fish? Were you in Classic Bass the year it was up here? Nope, I did not. No, nope. you missed out. Have you ever fished it? I haven't. No. Oh my god, you need to come up. It's a lot of fun. I should. I should. It really, is a lot of fun. I there's, should there's really stop talking lakes. about it. <laughs> What's good? But the it's thing weird. is, we're, we're blessed though, right? Because like, I'd have to drive by. I don't know, two thousand good fishing lakes. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not, are they all that good? No, but there's probably quite a few really good ones that are, <laughs> you know, so it's like. There's yeah. a million of them. Yeah, I mean, you're not yeah. wrong. You know, and one of the things, I honestly think that the the greatest thing that uh, Pelican has going for it is its geographical location. It's so far away. I honestly don't think it would be as good as it was if it was even half as close to the Twin Cities. Um, I really think it's as good as it is because it basically gets left alone. Um people that drive this far they're either stopping at vermilion or if they go past it they're going to cabotoga mccrane rainy you know or into canada and when you pass it on 53 it just looks like a swamp off on the west side because all you see is orbe and it doesn't look like anything but the lake opens up to what looks pretty much just like any boundary waters lake it's absolutely gorgeous the fish is great like i said i need to stop talking about it. <laughs> people but i just don't think people are going to come up here like it just you know, when, when Classic Bass did hit it, and um, uh, what was his name? Adam? Adam Zimmer? Adam something. Zimmer? I had him on the podcast. Uh, terrible that I don't something remember like his name now. But, yeah, he put up like 260. Rasmussen. Rasmussen, there it is. Yeah, like 265 pounds, and he stopped fishing. I guess he was like, like oh, my God. He has 100 pounds more than the next competitor which was just crazy but that that brings up an interesting topic so if you've been following mlf i'm sure you have a little bit and so now that they, they're gone to the the five the big five format and i mm-hmm. i haven't been watching i've just been kind of hearing people talk about it um what are your thoughts on that like do you like the way everything versus the big five you know i think it was a little bit lazy of them to change it. Okay. I I can't say that I truly like watching or think that is better or worse, but I do think they did pick up some fans that enjoyed it or maybe some, you know, people that could relate to it a little more. I don't think the people that don't watch MLF or that have a disdain for MLF don't watch it because it's every fish count or because they can't relate to the scoring system. I really believe that most of the people that have a strong disdain for MLS are because they have such strong ties to Bassmaster. And when MLF split, they didn't do it on the best terms. They right. really tried to like take Bass down. They were very arrogant about it. They tried to shove a lot of media in people's faces about we've got this many, you know, all the top, you know, 25 most highest earning pros are, you know, millions of dollars in earnings compared to that other league. And, you know, this many classic champs and AOIs and, you know, what is the other league? You know, they, they had all of this stuff, right? Like, and it turned a lot of people off that are 
you know, really loyal and honorable to that blue shield of bass. <clears throat> so I think that's the biggest disconnect. Yeah, then, I agree. I mean, it's, it, it did kind of turn into a tribal kind of uh, a teams thing, right? Us versus them a little bit. And I can see why, you know, like they threw a ton of money, you know, they were paying anglers. I think, I, I don't think I'm uh, misquoting what happened correct me if I'm wrong, but they were paying anglers to fish it, you know, whether they win won or lost just to get kind of the big names in there, which I feel like in a business sense makes a lot of sense, but I could see how the fans yeah. might be like, well, they're just buying a league or so, or something along those lines. Yeah. I think it was the, you know, Hey, they really, <laughs> at least the leaders, right. And a few, several vocal of the anglers, right. Very made it very much made it a, us against them. And we don't want to see bass succeed. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, put a, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a divorce situation, pick mom or daddy. And a lot of them <laughs> yeah. stayed home with mom and, uh, <clears throat> daddy was the bad guy. And, and, um, and then also just, I think a little bit there, they, they really tried to create this broadcasting style that was very fast paced. And it was just like fish, catch, fish, catch, fish, catch, which for maybe for some newer anglers, newer audiences was probably attractive. But I think, somebody that fishes a little more has been in the sport or has tournament fish. They like a little bit of like a break. They want to see some of the decision-making they want to be able to catch their breath. They want to be able to like take in what's happening. And so I think it's a little bit of like their commentary style, their editing, their, how they do it. And then part of that breakup thing. I, I don't know. There and some of it is maybe they can't relate. And I know a lot of people voted for it and like social media last year. But I, I think I think they could have paid an homage to the five fish limit without completely backpedaling the five fish. You know, I think they could have said, you know, like they could have said, hey, we're going to have a, a big five award. We're going to track the big five stats throughout the year, kind of how like we check track mm-hmm. the big fish for mm-hmm. heavy hitters. They could have, you know, they could have done some eight fish. They could have done some 10 fish. They could have played around with a, a moving target. Uh, I think there's a lot of things they could have done with a little bit of creativity that would have appeased some of what they were trying to do could have changed up the format to maybe make some of them not as much of a runaway and i think they could have been just a lot more creative about it and achieve some of their goals without going to this five fish now that i feel like they went to five fish if they don't get the traction they hope they were getting with their what they call their core audience or the traditional audience they've kind of backed themselves into a corner and i don't know where they go from here hmm yeah, I I think you had some good ideas there, and I, I guess I heard or I read that you know even like the anglers voted on it, and just you know I don't see I didn't see what the vote was, but obviously they, they five fish won, so that they went to that thing. Mm-hmm. Where where my mind goes, you know, and I grew up watching Bassmasters and the classics and all that, and I like and I love the big five. I don't think it's a you know I think it's still relative, but I liked MLF when it came in because it was something new. You know, and now I'm just like, well, now it's just another league. Like, uh, mm-hmm. what does it matter? Like, what makes MLF any better than Bass or, or even different? Not even better or or not as good. Just it's the same. It's just like more of the same. Like, I, I like variety in life. You know what I mean? So it's like, what what's wrong with having, like, just a different 
format and people can shoot you kind of let it's like kind of let the market decide and maybe the market did decide maybe they decided to change it because it was it was a new thing and people flocked to it but then maybe viewership was starting to wane so they're like you know what we need to do something to bump these numbers up again i don't know i'm not in those meetings i i don't know i i just i like that format i think it i think it's more like other sports where mm-hmm. you watch the score go up. You know, I made an analogy recently that the big five is kind of like, think if you're watching a football game or you knew a football game was going and they checked in every now and again, but you really didn't know the final score. Like it, it, like it was almost private. It's like we're not going to know what the score is until 3 o'clock and then every team's going to uh, announce how many touchdowns they scored. Which is kind of what the big yeah. five is, right? He's like, so-and-so got this much and this much. And the thing I liked about MLF was, like, you saw that that score going up, you know, and somebody would and which, there's lead changes and that whole, like, sporting dynamic. I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. So they still have the live scoreboard. So it's five fish live scoreboard. Okay. Now. I mean, so they're not weighing in. They're still doing live catch and release. And so in that respect, it's, you know, some of those things they've kept the same. And didn't Bass kind of start doing that too? Like um, they do way release at, now when they fish Lake Fork and they have like a Texas Fest or a, a Lake Fork event, or if they go to a special rigs lake, they will do it. Okay, but that's the only time they do it. Oh, right on. They're still bringing bags to the weigh-in, kind of a mm-hmm. deal, which I like. You know, and I think you know going to back to the TOC and, and Minnesota Bass Nation. You know, I feel like they do a pretty good job or as good of a job as they can. You know, and the way they set up the the flights and the lines and, you know, you keep your fish in bags and dip them in the tank and, you know, keep mm-hmm. them going down the line so that hopefully the vast majority of those fish survive. And then I believe any fish that die, they donate those. Yep. So I feel like, and what do you, what do you think, like, for as many years as you've done it, what do you think the average dead fish number is? It's, you know... I think it ends up being uh one to two percent of like you know direct mortality, right? Right. Or yeah, I mean dead fish getting... at weigh in is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking yeah. about delayed mortality or you know fish that can released. I think it's a one to two percent in the modern era of the new practices and modern live wells and that kind of stuff. And we could we could definitely ask Mickey; he'd be able to tell us probably. Sure. Give us a whole spreadsheet with a waterfall <laughs> chart and all that kind of <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But it's it's pretty low. Yeah, it's pretty low. I mean, just watching the weigh-ins, like you know, when you get a dead fish, it's it's kind of rare. You know, it's like and oh. typically we're talking probably like, you know, uh, you know, we got a hundred boats, two hundred guys, uh, probably an average of let's just say four fish per yeah. guy per angler he or she weighs in, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so about eight hundred fish. That sounds about right uh, per day. Sixteen hundred fish. I would bet you that number is like 20 dead fish for the tournament. Yeah, that's 20, not 30. much. <laughs> and it's typically you'll have one or two here and there. You're going to have some fish that are going to swallow bait, get hooked in the gills, mm-hmm. take one deep. And then typically you're going to have like one or two people that like they bump a switch, their battery goes dead, they flip off the aerators unknowingly or they fail or an aerator stops working and they don't catch it. And then they're going to lose five, right? And that's where like – one or two boats in a tournament, right, are going to lose like almost all of their fish, unfortunately, right, and that's going to weigh the bulk of that 
20 fish is going to come from one or two boats that makes a mistake or has a freak accident. Yeah, I was you in know. that. I was in that grouping down on the river. Uh, was mm-hmm. a couple years ago when it was down in Wabasha. Uh, everything was great. Uh, you know, I would check on them frequently, and all of a sudden I look in there and we had floaters. I was like, what is going on? And uh, it wasn't until after, you know, when we got back, and I think I only had, they didn't all die, but like, I think I had two dead ones, and I think my co had like two or three dead ones. And not that it would have mattered because we didn't have, we weren't in the running anyways. So it's like middle of the pack, regardless, even if they were all alive. Right. So it's a small consolation prize, but still, you're just like, what the heck? And then I, I guess what had happened, I, I took my pump out to see what was, because all my fuses were good, the switch was like, everything seemed good. So I went, you know, just crossing stuff off and took the pump out, and there was, like um skirting material like rubber skirting material wrapped up in the impeller yeah i don't i must have just sucked it up off the bottom of the river or something i don't know how it got in there but yeah that's that's what did it talk i mean talk about a freak situation you're like how you know i guess i could have checked it on the water but i didn't think of it you know i think we only had about an hour left of the tournament anyways it it was towards the end yeah, if you fish enough tournaments, it, something like that's going to happen. Right. Like, it's definitely a little, little, little punch in the gut. But like I said, it, it wasn't really in the running, anyways. You know, I think I finished. Yeah, nobody wants to be the guy that brings in five dead fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, in, well, in club tournaments, if I get you know a dead one or somebody else gets a dead one, a lot of times I'll take it home. You know, I'm I'm the guy that'd be like, ah, yeah, I'll eat it. You know, I'm not opposed to eating a bass. You know. We had a guy in Gopher, uh, Fort Smith. He uh, he had an arrangement worked out at one time with like a local Chinese restaurant in like Maple Grove, where he'd like drop the fish off and they would trade them and give them egg rolls. Oh no, that's a good trade. Because like he knew the owners or something, and like they would be like, "Oh, great fish!" And then like they would be like, you know, and then they would trade away some of the restaurant food for. Jeez, I need to get one of those relationships going. That sounds like a great deal. Yeah. Don't have to clean them, and you get and you get egg rolls. Hell yeah, dude! Sign me up for that. I might, no, that's. I was just gonna say like I might be killing my fish. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you could, maybe you could bring them some pike. Yeah, I could, exactly. That's a good idea. Or yeah. sheephead or something. Some fresh pike else. flopping around. Like there you go. So going back to that, like sheephead actually tastes really good. If not, so that's a fish that I would like stereotype and just be like, I don't know what to do mm-hmm. with this. They look gross, you know. Over. They get a they get a bad rap, and then basically what it is that very same thing that I was talking about earlier, where you just repeat stuff that you hear. I caught myself saying that about sheephead, and I'm like, you know what? These other cultures, like they keep them, like they fish for them in, on purpose, like they can't well, be terrible. So yeah, I mean they got to be closely related to what like redfish and drum in the yeah ocean, they're a right? drum. They, yeah. people catch them all the time in Abs- them, right? Absolutely, like I do. Well, I can't say I do a lot of red fishing, but I do it at least once a year. My brother lives in South Carolina, so I you know I can have access to a boat and go down there and yeah, I've, I've eaten redfish and it's plenty good. So I was out fishing on uh, West Rush, uh, kind of spring, and I was fishing for panfish, and I hooked you know like a four or five pound sheephead and i'm like you know what i'm keeping this thing i'm gonna try it brought it home it was a little bit of a pain in the butt to to clean because they're pretty bony they got thick bones and there's like a a line of pin bones and stuff and i i basically just cut those out like you would the y bones in a in a northern you know i didn't get too crazy Uh, and there was still there was a lot of meat on it 
cooked it up like you would any other fish and it was great actually that sweetness that you talk about in northerns it's even sweeter yet it has a nice really firm texture it's got kind of a sweetness to it it was i would keep them again but like without hesitation like they were good you know i, I didn't catch them out of like the muddy mississippi or anything i don't know if that if that matters you know they can't like i said it came out of west rush in the spring so kind of cool cool water or whatever but it was good and i tell that to people and they're like ugh. And it's just like why are you saying that like you've never tried it like it's just it's a weird psychological thing that i just I, i've i found myself fascinated by it like kind of go down that wormhole psychology wormhole of like humans are weird we get this kind of stuck stuff kind of stuck in our brain it's just it's kind of bizarre. So you've been tournament fishing for a long time. It seems yep. like how many years? Yeah, my dad. My dad was like an OG in uh, Gopher Bassmasters, and oh, so wow. I grew up practicing with him. I think he joined that club in like '78, '80, somewhere around oh, there. Dang! Like, and so by the time I was like, you know, I don't know, eight, right? I was probably tagging along on local trips, pre-fishing, and then once I got, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12, I'd go along with out of town. You know, and then like I remember one time vividly, like they had a tournament on <clears throat> Dead and Star up north, and it was in the summer, so I was at school, and we were camping, and the, the somebody had a boat, or the resort had a boat, or anyways, there was a twelve foot, you know, V bottom boat with a trolling motor on it, and oars, no motor that I could fish out of during the day, and uh, I fished all around the resort and up and down that bank, and I. I think I kept some fish on a stringer or a basket or something. And I beat most of the guys in the club that day. Oh, wow. <laughs> At like 13 <laughs> or something like that. And I think it took until I was 14 or 15 before they would allow me to fish as a non-boater in the club. And then by the time I was 19, I was the president of Gopher Bassmasters and uh, pretty active for a long time. So yeah, I mean, I've been fishing tournaments since, you know, you know, I probably fished you know, we had father and son tournaments and things like that when I was a kid, but like actively getting in the club, fishing the full schedule, probably about the time I turned 15. So it's probably, you know, we're going on 30 years almost. Oh, damn. So I'm relatively new to the game and I'm old. Like I'll be 50 in May and mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't start fishing tournaments till, well, I don't know. Uh, it was when I bought my first bass boat. I got a, a used Ranger, like, mm-hmm eight years ago i think now so probably something like that i could probably count back the the bass tournaments and and figure it out you know and i had this thing and i didn't know like non-boaters was a thing i mean that's like oh my god like if i'd have known i would have been doing this for fucking hell a long time you know and how much information and knowledge and experiment experience have i just left on the table because i didn't know that that existed you know in my mind i just felt like well i I don't have a boat to, you know, I always had just like a 14 foot regular old ass fishing boat, you know? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I would rig up, I had like a transom mounted trolling motor, but I would put it on the, I'd rig, either rig it up on the front and use it that way. Or I would keep it in the back and just kind of back troll. And I would stand on the seat and have one foot on the head of the trolling motor turning it. Like <laughs> that, that was my trolling motor. And it got the job done, you know? Um, right. So and then I finally, you know, got to a place in life where I could afford a a boat payment, and I went and got a used Ranger, and it was, you know, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to 
join a tournament. I got into a club right away, and you know, I joined Loon State, and it was fun. I mean, I I loved it, and I I I'm a competitive person by nature, and man, I love love competitive bass fishing, but I'm I'm a noob. I mean, <laughs> I might be I might have a lot of gray hair, but I'm a noob. I mean, for sure. So when I go to these TOCs, I treat it like uh, college. You know, I this is a learning event for me. You know, obviously you hope to do well, but I'm I'm pragmatic enough to be like, listen, I'm not going to stroll in here and just crush these guys that have been tournament fishing for 20 years. You know, um, try to pick up something every year. I, I feel like I improve every year. It'd be. It's a good healthy mentality, right? You want to be competitive, but at the same time, like everything's learning experience and it still should be fun. And I mean, the, the cool thing about the Minnesota Bass Nation is win or lose, you uh, you typically get to fish with some pretty cool people, meet some new people. Um, I don't know. Like oh, overall, sure. it's just there's people that I've, you know, drew, you know, unleashed like 20 years ago that I still talk to. Right. Know? Yeah, and that's that's the cool thing too. Like, uh, for anybody you know, kind of on the fence or thinking about, like, dude, if you don't have a boat and you love to fish, dude, sign up as a co. Like, I know our club need. Well, we need boaters too. I mean, we're a small club, and we definitely have room to grow. And just life worked out. We had a you know, I think half our club isn't fishing this year, so it's like mm. we need boaters and non-boaters. You know, because I don't I don't remember what the numbers are, but you have to have so many uh, paid members to qualify to even fish the toc so i, th- I think we're covered there but it's like yeah we have I think room. only need six yeah i think that's what it is but I, so we have room to grow you know so anyway it's on the fence i'm trying to recruit people to come fish this year but um sign up as a a co i mean the amount that you're gonna learn like i've thought about when i go back you know and i and i jumped in you know feet first i really should have like signed up as a co Mm-hmm. because you're going to fish with a different boater uh, every day you're going to get you're going to get to see how they fish like where they go what they use like the amount of knowledge that you'll gain doing that like it's incredible like what a classroom right like yeah that's what know. i did for my first 6 years i probably wasn't a boater till i was like 19 or 20 or 21 or something yeah. like that so i was i was president of the bash club but i was probably a non boater at that time that's <laughs> that's crazy that's awesome though i mean i think i think the proof is in the pudding i mean you're you're consistently in the mix you know for i mean again i've only been like fishing bass nation now for whatever 5 6 years 7 years whatever wherever it's been but your name's always up towards the top so and I'm still striving to be better. Well, of <laughs> you know course. I mean? It's still yeah, never yeah, enough, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I still I... haven't won one, which drives me crazy. Yeah. Like, my dad won one, but I haven't won one. You know, I've made probably, I don't know, eight, nine, or ten regional teams. Probably, like, half of the state tournaments I've ever fished, just about. I've made a regional team. Um, been fortunate enough to make three national championships. Oh, I see. Which was an amazing oh, wow. experience. That's um, incredible. But it's still, like, you know finished whatever like 17th or 21st at Lahamadu last year and low 20s again at the river below and it's like that's a good tournament you're fishing the top 10 percent or whatever top right you're having like or top 20 percent like in a normal tournament you'd be getting a nice check right like right. you'd be right there um but like you didn't make the top 10 you didn't make the state team it's like that's you know 
you know, it, it, I don't want to call it a failure, but I didn't achieve the goal or the outcome I was looking want, for. Yeah. I mean, I finished middle of the road and I mean, that's where I live, but you know, for Lahamadu, I was, I was a little frustrated. So I, what was it? However many days before the event where they announced like you couldn't fish Jesse in one of the other lakes and mm-hmm. my good fish were in Jesse. So I was like, great. That's awesome. That was like my thing. Cause I thought maybe that it was going to be one like deep or, you know, again, I was like made all sorts of excuses for myself. Like I don't have the equipment like we talked about earlier. And then I was like, I might not even fish this year. Like why am I spend that kind of money and, you know, spend vacation time pre-fishing to just get my ass kicked by somebody with 360 and spot lock, you know, but I'm, but then during our club, when our club fished it, how I even found those fish is that my trolling motor died. Like it was mm-hmm. just dead, dead. And I'm like, well, I got to fish cause otherwise I won't get any points. And it was super windy that day out of the South. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go as far as I can until you know, I can't just to explore. I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna use this as built-in scouting for the TOC if I choose to fish it, kind of a thing. And that's what I did. I went all the way down in the Jesse and caught some really nice fish. I don't remember what my bag was. It was ah, 15, 16 pounds, something like that. I had all like three three pounders, and which is way better than I caught anywhere else in that chain of lakes. And then find out that I can't fish there for the TOC. I was like, because I was like, well, you know, I'm probably one of the only, the few boats that'll even make that run because I don't have power poles. The, the not having equipment will actually help me because I can get through some of these culverts of these bridges. And then, then I didn't have that. I was like, dang it. <laughs> Still made a stupid run to some of the other lakes that you could get to, but mm-hmm. didn't pan out. I, I could have caught the exact same quality fish if I had just stayed on Lahamadu, but it is what it is. I did weigh one nice uh, smallmouth day two. Very cool. Yeah, it was cool. Like going through one of the channels, we saw it, and I was like, oh, dang. And it was actually, I got to give credit to my my co-angler. I don't remember what her name was, but she was like, well, we should try to fish for it. I'm like, those fish never bite, dude. Like I've tried, like I wasted time trying to catch those with the club. I wasted time trying to catch those in day one. And like, they just, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to swing around. I swang, I I did a big swing around, you know, didn't go over that fish. And then like kind of kept the mental picture of where it was and threw a net head out there and just really slowly drug it back. And sure as shit, that thing bit. I was like, Holy crap. I think that was like my kicker fish. It was like a three pound smallmouth, you know, not bad. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I'll, then I had the rest of those cookie cutter Lahamadu largemouth. So didn't have that great of a bag, but it was fun. Believe it or not, the, the cookie cutters have grown out there. Yeah. Back in, I want to say right around 2000, 99, 2000, somewhere in there, we had a state tournament out there. And I finished second, and I had less than 21 pounds for two days. Oh, for two days. Oh, my. For two days. Yikes. Like 20 and change, and I lost by like point one two or point like less than a tenth of a pound or something like that. Uh, so speaking of formats, how do you, what's your opinion on the, um, like that three-day format that they did this year? Well, I was one of the people on the committee that uh, proposed it. 
Okay. I would, I would say that I'm in favor of it. <laughs> All right. I'm, I, I honestly don't have a strong opinion of it one way or the yeah. one way or the other because I don't. Uh, yeah. Maybe this isn't the right mindset, but I'm like I likely won't be fishing day three anyways. So <laughs> what do I care? But, but I think what it like if you do have a good tournament and you make day three, then you know that you've done something. Like, that's right. An accomplishment. So like a lot of it, right? Is so I feel like there's a couple things that are state tournament. One is you know we have four days of official practice which is kind of a long time for a hundred mm-hmm. boats to be on a body of water. Right. So let's, let's trim back a, a day of free fishing. Right. So then the week of the tournament, you just got three days. So that's going to help the overall fishing, right? One less day of 200 people potentially out there sticking fish. is probably good for the tournament. Um, and then, so we don't really lengthen it, right? We shorten a pre and give a, a, a qualifying day at the end. So honestly, if you don't do well, you can be home a day earlier if you really want to be. And if you work a, a construction job or you turn wrenches or you're an hourly job, that right, like where you don't have to take your time off ahead of time, well, then maybe you save a vacation day or you can you can get back to it, right? Sure. Um, so which I think, or if you got family or for many other reasons, right? Or, you know, if you're up there for the week anyways, right, then you got, uh, you're either fishing or you can be supporting somebody that probably, right, chances are somebody in your club, one of your boaters or non-boaters is probably fishing on Friday, right? Like, just by the odds, just about everybody will probably have a participant from their club in the final day. So you can go support one of your 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 brothers or sisters right. competing on the final day. And then we mixed in a community element. So a couple things, right, we wanted to align with regionals which then they switch that so that's a little bit out the window but like and also get people prepared for like when you move on from the state tournament you're going to fish three-day regionals three-day qualifiers three-day national tournaments okay so getting used to managing fish planning fish the the, i don't know the the stamina like uh, believe it or not if you don't fish tournaments light you may not realize how tired you are after fishing (laughs) two full days of a tournament yeah um so like just getting ready mentally physically uh preparing yourself your equipment, knowing what it means, right? Make sure your batteries do get charged, your live well impellers are clean, like, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, all those things, right? That yes. just get those reps in at a lower level because most of our clubs rarely fish more than a one-day tournament. So I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but jump into a three-day tournament with only one two-day tournament is actually a pretty big jump. So it's really about preparing and getting the best team forward that are the best prepared. And then being able to showcase the people that do, you know, do more things, make a bigger spectacle on the third day. Uh, and then also we can work in a community event and, and give back to the community. So I, I think all in all, it's all, you know, I think everybody's a little bit resistant to change, but I think overall, from what I've heard talking to people, I think everybody was pretty much on board with it after last year. I kind of, li- I mean, I'm just thinking about it. I mean, um, I, I like the, I like it. You know, it's kind of a fun opportunity, so it's something to strive for. And, you know, let's say you did great day one, maybe not as great day two, but overall you still qualified for the final day, and now it's a standalone day, right? Like it's. Well, I mean, the weights don't zero, so you still, like, if you oh, have a don't zero. Deficit, oh, okay. No, you still got to – so you get to you get to carry your weight forward, so you're not okay. penalized. Uh, but, yeah, so – but it does give you a chance to – try you know like me i was kind of ways back i want to say i was i don't know four or five pounds back right so like i needed to do something kind of special sure <laughs> that last day to get back into it um it didn't happen but i knew right and it gave me an opportunity to try something um like just having the thought experiment 
right now. Let's just let's just let's just play around with the idea of like let's let's, let's talk pros and cons of what if day three it did zero out because I can see where if you were leading you'd be pissed. Like if you, especially if you had a big lead, you'd be pissed. Right. But also like what you just said, kind of by it not resetting and the fact that, yeah, you made the final day, but you would need to fish like you would have to come in with almost like a record breaking bag. I mean, I don't know. I what didn't the really know. Were, I mean, but... like I was in like I qualified and I don't know. Whatever the top 25, I was somewhere between like seventeen and 20th or 22nd. I was like, maybe it was 22nd. I think it was 17th after the first day, fell to 22nd. Um, but I think if I would have caught 15 pounds, I would have made it. Okay. So that's not, I mean, that's not even like anywhere near the biggest bag of the tournament, right? Right. There was a bunch yeah. of 16, 18, 17, yeah, 19 pound bags. So I didn't need to, I need to do like, I had caught 12 and 12. I, 12 again wasn't going to do it, but if I could have like caught 15, that would have been enough. Yeah. But that's also like assuming that they, you know, somebody that didn't produce, that didn't get 18 one day wasn't going to do 18 again. You know, like right. you're, it's not, you're not just fishing against yeah, yourself. Yeah, like to, to, to win it, yeah, I would have had to freak show it. I would have had to catch like 26 pounds. Yeah, yeah and so that's, that's not going right. to But so, at so that point, I'm only fishing for a top 10, like just to make You're trying to make goals. the team, right. So that's kind of my point. It's like, okay, well, it's top 25. Is it top 25 or top 20? Top 25. Top 25. So top 25, you know, let's say you're 25th, right? It's like, okay – Depending on the math, depending on where you're at, you just you made the cut. The fact that you're gonna have to have this outstanding day, even just to make the team, to me kind of then takes a little bit of the excitement out of it. You know what I mean? Like, um no one's really expecting the anybody in like the twentieth and up place to like really make any big moves, right? Whereas if you had zeroed it out, and again, I don't know what I'm for or what I'm against. I'm just like mm-hmm. literally just let's talk pros and cons and just have the experiment, the thought experiment here of like if it did reset, like I think there'd be a lot more energy around it. And honestly, I only think the only people I think would be against it is that if you were leading and somehow didn't have a good day, day three. Then you'd be like, "This is bullshit." I had a five-pound lead going. In, you know what I mean? Like, but if it, it kind of goes with saying, like, if you have if you have the lake kind of dialed in, let's say you had two good days and you're you're in, you were overall first place for for two days, as you go into day three, you just have to repeat one more time. Chances it sounds like you got the lake pretty well figured out. So chances are you're gonna do well anyways barring any sort of like major weather event or something like that. But I don't know. I think I kind of, I'm kind of leaning towards, I think it would bring more excitement if the scores did zero out. Yeah. But I just don't, I don't think you penalize, right. The person in front, like, is it, I don't a, pe- think it's is it a penalty though? I mean, yeah, I mean, what you should, I, to me, you shouldn't, I, I was, I mean, MLF has done this off and on over the years, FLW, where they would zero after days three or days four. And, um, 
I don't really like it. I, if you build that equity up, you should carry it into the final. I guess that it'd be interesting to go back to the, the events that they did do that and then kind of like see the results. Like, um, like how many times did the person in the lead ultimately lose it because of that? You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. is it still like, is the guy that's consistently fishing better? Is does he still win it more times than not kind of a thing? I mean, and maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, Again. Kobe still would have won last year. He had the big bag the last day. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He pretty much repeated. Yeah, he repeated what he did on day one, pretty much. Right. Like day two. He, day, he his day two and day three were really strong. His, his day, day one was good. Yeah. Yeah. Because who? Yeah. Day one, somebody had eighteen. Ba- Brian Bankson had nineteen the first day. Good God. Like I just don't know where, like, and how. <laughs> it's like I never found a fish anywhere near that caliber. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I see bags like that, and I'm just like, on a lake like that where there was so many weights that came in, super similar. You know, let's say yeah, the fast a ten to twelve pounds is yeah. just like super common. Like how do you? Like I was just like, how do you crack out of that? Like what was he fishing? Like what was? Do you know, like, not not spot, but like, what well, kind you can, of stuff you was can, he fishing? Uh, I, I, we did a two hour long interview with Kobe on the uh, like, live stream. If you want to go back and uh, oh, okay. get I all will. the details, if did he did uh, he you, can, un- you can unpack that and wrap your head around it that way. So. Okay, I will actually. <laughs> I will next time in the city. I think so it's just... labeled "This kid kicked my butt in the state tournament" or something like that. <laughs> I'll have to try to remember that. Uh, yeah, no, because I've been. Yeah, I wanna, I do wanna, cause like it's not so much like I think I'm gonna use that information for if I ever fish Lahamadu again. It's just more like, how, where were these fish? You know, cause we fish. You know, I didn't really do much pre-fishing. I didn't really have much time. But you know, our club always schedules two of our events on the waters of the TOC waters. It's like a built-in pre-fishing, yep. if you will. And mm-hmm. so I fish that lake. You know hard for four days and i didn't find anything remotely like that well except for the down in jesse where i had but even then i wouldn't i didn't get 19 pounds i had 15 or 16 or whatever it was but generally speaking it seems like no matter where the toc waters are if you can catch 15 pounds each day you're in the mix strong very strong yeah like that seems that's you're the, usually that's the average you'll be borderline in contention to win it with 15 pounds yeah isn't that kind of crazy like no matter what, like no matter what body of water, that seems to be like, kind of like the magic number. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think it's actually gone up over the years. It used to be 12, 13, 14 pounds in a lot of our lakes. And I think our fisheries have gotten better. We've gotten better at unlocking them, um, going to different lakes, things like that. But uh, You think yeah, tech- like, technology is playing a role? Like just like we're saying, like spot lot and forward-facing sonar Spot-lock, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, bigger, you know, better boats, better trolling motors, better technology mapping. I mean, it all plays better equipment, like just line, hooks, baits. Sure. Like, everything is just, like, I mean, the first the first time I ever, you know, 2001, when I, uh, what, 1998 or whatever, I don't remember, 99, the first year that I, you know, did really well on Gull. I mean, I had two bottom-line flashers and was probably fishing with straight mono and, you know, jig worms, you know, <laughs> bad hooks. And like, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I can't believe I was able to stay on the same spot half the time. Right. Like, right. 
Yeah, that's 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 incredible. I'm excited for for Leech. You know, it's about I don't know two two and a half hours away from me where I'm at now. So hopefully I'll get some time out to get a little familiar with it. You'll be as excited as long as it doesn't blow twenty five to thirty. Yeah, I mean. There is that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a big lake, and there's not like a ton of islands. There's not a whole lot of places to hide on that lake. Uh, I mean, there are plenty of places to fish when it's windy, but you gotta cross big water to get to them. Almost yeah, like exactly. Depending on where takeoff is and which direction the wind is blowing from, or get back. Right? Yeah, or get back. Exactly. Well, it was on whitefish uh, during our club of yeah when our club was up there. Uh, first time I ever speared a wave. That sucked. Mm-hmm. And I speared two of them that day. <laughs> the last time we fished leech, which was, I don't know, probably close to 20 years ago now, um, I had the, the day two of the tournament, the wind came up. It went from Horseshoe to Boy Bay. And when I got there, I had to tape with electrical tape the head of my Maxim back together to get it to work because it had fallen apart. Just bouncing you know, around. waves. Fish the rest of the day with a limped maxim to, to, to get enough fish to finish third or fourth or whatever I did. Um, but uh, it was, you know, you had to get out there and get back. And that was part of the game that day to like wait, get your fish weighed. So, yeah, oh, for sure. You know, the the perfect storm that got me to spear that wave was like, it wasn't like it was super, super windy, but it was like probably 10 to 15 or something like that. But it was just steady out of the northwest. And that lake lays northwest to southeast. So it's like it was just running down low, lower whitefish the whole day. And those waves mm-hmm. just kept building energy. And the frequency got wider and wider and wider, which is, you know, eventually got to the point where my boat fit in between the crests. And yeah, I was looking at my – I had made a run to see if I – on some spots I had found the day before. And then so it was too windy. And the fish weren't there. I couldn't really effectively fish it because it was so windy. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to go back to the smaller – chain lakes right so i'm going with the waves and i'm looking at my map deciding where i want to go and i just get hit by this wall of water like the force of it like pushed my uh, my screen forward and like there was just a waterfall coming off the deck into the pit it's like i'm spitting and coughing i just reach over hit the bilge like, <laughs> like oh my god so that happened and then once the water was done pumping, I'm like, all right, well, let's get going. I got back up on plane. Like, I had just gotten back up on plane, and I saw the wave. I was like, oh, crap. Boosh, got hit again. I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're idling. We're trimming up and uh, bow up, and I'm idling to the channel now because I'm not doing that anymore. Like, that sucked. Uh, hopefully that never happens again. That that was terrible. But, you know, it's a memory. It's a story. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, well, it was learning. It was a learning experience for sure. So yeah, I can see what you're saying on leech. It's a, that's another. I mean, that's almost. You know, that's not long and narrow like lower whitefish. That's just like a kind of like a big giant bowl. You know, mm-hmm. like that could get that could definitely get sporty with. I could get like malax pretty, mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Never really thought about that. Thanks. Now I got that to worry about. Oh my god. Well, uh, anything else we should cover? I think we covered just about uh, anything. I mean, I don't no, really it was do... fun. Appreciate yeah, it. This yeah. was great. This was a lot of fun. Finally got to finally uh, reached out and and talked to you. I mean, I've seen you in passing at the 
at the tournaments and that, I'm not really the kind of guy to go around and bug a ton of people. But, um, yeah, that's cool. It was yeah. a lot of fun. I'm not that scary. You can come say no, hi. No, no. I mean, I've seen, you know, <laughs> I think I've said hi in passing. I just never, like, you know, if you're deep into conversation with somebody else, which I think has always been kind of the case, like, I'm not going to butt in, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah whatever. I got other people that I'm hunting down that I only see that one time a year or two, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. I was excited this year. I actually, I got the to fish my number a day one non boater was uh, John Morales. Yeah, and, he's a fun guy. Yeah, he's he's super fun. So it's the first time when we've talked about just fishing together, not tournaments, just like you know, fun fishing. It's just our schedules have never worked out. And then when I got that when I got that alert, I was like, oh. Well, goddamn! I get to fish with Morales finally. Yeah, John, and I got to hang out on a sandbar on the Mississippi River. So. Oh yeah. yeah, that was yeah with Paul. Another, another story for another time. We'll save that for the next time we talk. Yeah, that was that was that was something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paula felt so bad, but yeah, that is another story for another time. I will definitely cut you loose. We'll tell everybody how they can uh, get a hold of you if they want to enjoy your content. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, so basically, whatever platform you're, uh, you know, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or YouTube is where I put most of it out. Uh, but just search Halibass. Uh, I, and I, all my live streams. So I typically do one or two regular videos a week and then a live stream typically on Wednesday night, but it floats around a little bit. And then you YouTube. release those live streams as a recorded, right? So when I, yep, is that so just on YouTube? You can, you can get the replay on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, but I also offload them as MP3. So if you're more, especially if you're listening here, you, you probably got your favorite podcast app. And you can just search Hellabass. You can listen to the, the, the replays there as well. Oh, all right. It's perfect. So I'll go on like Apple Podcast. I can find the, I got my ass kicked by whoever on my, yeah. when I was a driver of the cities search, this search, weekend. Search Hellabass, scroll through the, I don't know, 200 and some episodes <laughs> and you should be able to find one somewhere in there. Feel free to drop me a link. If you just text me a link so I don't have to do the searching, that'd be great. I'll send you a link to the uh, face, or the YouTube version. Okay, there you go. So. Perfect. That'll be great. All right, Rich, that was awesome. I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again. I'll see you on All the right. water this summer. Sounds good. See ya. Later, man. <laughs>